Hello, film lovers, and welcome to the Films I Love Most podcast. The Films I Love Most podcast is recorded live with live messaging. So sometimes people do message in with very inappropriate comments. We can't help that. It's just the general public. So if you hear something that is offensive or rude, we try our best to put a stop to it, but it might just sneak through. So I do apologize for that. But anyway, let's move on. Enjoy this episode of the Films I Love Most podcast. Welcome to the Films I Love Most podcast. Look, Alan, you. Hello. Hello, love. Can you hear me? Oh, you're very quiet. Can you hear me now? You're very, very quiet. Very quiet? Okay. okay. Oh, no, that's better. No, it's all right. I think it was my phone. Oh, have you gone? Now. Yeah, I think it was right my now. phone. Yeah, I think it was my phone. Oh, yeah, I'll I'll put back in then. yeah, I think it, it was like it was on a phone I'm just call. Taking the out. Technical difficulties, guys. Do bear with. Would it be a show without technical difficulties, would it? Absolutely not. Hello, everybody. Um, welcome to what is, well, technically the final episode of um, I've Never Seen, mm. uh, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking about it. Hang on. Bear with my earpods to work so I can hear. Can you still hear me? Hello? Yeah, I can still hear you, love. You're still there. <laughs> Hello, love. Okay, oh, I'm very wet. So there we go. Beg your pardon? I went for a walk. Well, I walked home before. And I got pissed wet through. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Uh, welcome, everybody. This is I've Never Seen Harry Potter. Uh, so if you are a regular listener to our show, you know that we have been working our way through the Harry Potter movies. And today is the last episode because I have finally seen every single Harry Potter film. Now, I do have a bit of a confession to make. Are you proud? I am proud, but I do have a bit of a confession to make. You haven't watched part two? I haven't watched part two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but you've seen it before, right? Yeah, I've seen it. It's not like. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not like that's a big thing. But yeah, I would have I liked. I woke up. I woke up very late, but I've. I would have I've... liked to you have seen it because I think that the the emotional punch at the end is quite strong. Yeah, I can remember you... a lot, and Ben's filled me in on all the stuff I couldn't remember. So. Oh okay, what? okay. <laughs> Okie dokie. Um. So, where do you want to start? Um. Let's start with Deathly Hallows Part One. I think that's the the reason. Okay. That. Did you not just okay. think it was It was what, sorry? A bit shit. No, no, because I, d- I think that 
one of the things we need to do is don't think about part one and part two as separate entities. I think of them as the same thing. If you were watching it, obviously you would have had to wait a whole year mm-hmm. for the following movie to come out. Do I think that would have been a bit shit? Yes, because it did end quite abruptly on quite a big cliffhanger. Yeah. But, but at the same time, do you know what I mean? I think that, like I say, one of the reasons they love splitting films into two is because, especially back in the physical media times, mm-hmm. uh, they used to like sell all those Blu-rays and DVDs so people would buy part one and then they'll go and watch part two at the cinema. So that was like a very huge um, like objective but- back in those times. Apparently, with this, that it never was the plan to split the film into two, but the script was over mm-hmm. 500 pages long, and by the time they'd done the edit, it came in at just over five hours long, so they had no choice but to split it. Yeah. Yeah, well, we were always taught that if you're writing a script, one page, one A4 page of script is one minute of screen time. Bloody hell. So, 500 pages, that's like 500 minutes, that's a lot a yeah. lot so um yeah i don't blame them i don't i don't blame them for splitting it into two i think financially as well obviously you're mm-hmm. making twice as much uh income as well so why not well yeah i mean it so, was it was a really popular thing to do yeah and it was a really popular thing to do around those times i mean they took it to the extreme when they came to uh, films like the hobbit where they split one tiny thin sliver of a book into three movies which was like what the absolute hell um <laughs> but yeah i have no problem with them splitting up the film at all no you're gonna tell I, I a story you want to yeah. and especially because it's the ending as well you want to tell it right don't you and you don't want to miss out any little details so no no if they'd split say i don't know the goblet of fire into two i'd have been like mm, okay yeah, <laughs> really, because that's that that's a story that really needs to flow because it's about a competition. Mm-hmm. So, but obviously, if you're splitting uh, the Deathly Hallows, uh, it doesn't really matter because it is sort of you know gearing people up towards the big finale, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And also, I think it gave people a little bit of time to maybe discover the book and read the book because you know with the speed that the films were coming out and then the books coming out. You know, that maybe they wanted people to discover Harry Potter in another medium as well. I mean, a lot of people went into Deathly Hallows, like, knowing the story already. Yeah. Because of the book. So they had they had the chance to do that, I think, to take it a little bit slower, really think about it, tell the story. I can't really imagine anything that they could have cut out. I mean, there was obviously... They could have, like, narrowed the film down, but you would have lost so many of those, like, really lovely character moments. Like, one of my favourite character moments was in part one, you know, when um, Harry and Hermione dance. Oh, yeah. You know, those little character moments that just show how... Yeah, yeah, just show how far the characters have come. Now, um, I messaged you last night on Instagram, and I said, just imagine if uh, someone was watched the first film and then watched that last film... (laughs) It's a, oh, it yeah. feels like a completely different franchise. Yeah, they feel like, like I said to you, The Philosopher's Stone is a children's film. It is a children's mm. film. And I'd go to say yeah. Chamber of Secrets is as well. It's only like when we get to the third and fourth film, they really start to take that dark turn. 
and you know like yeah. we've said previously it just it just shows that the films were, were growing with the audience yeah exactly and i think that you know in some ways that's a good thing um in in other ways not such a good thing because obviously if you're having a new audience discover those films say you know like someone who is in their teenage years they might watch harry potter and the philosopher's stone and think oh that's a bit like young do you know what i mean that's a bit you know young for me but then work their way through the films and then get to deathly hallows and think well this is actually a bit too dark for me you know (laughs) i think that the films were definitely made for the audience growing up with them Mm -hmm. i think a younger person watching them back to back is gonna is gonna go through a huge gamut of emotions starting with oh this is for kids to oh this is for adults (laughs) (laughs) but they're all pg so you know well i do think that i think deathly hallows is a a 15 not a 15 a a 12a i think deathly hallows part two i think i'm correct in that am i not oh you're breaking up Oh, can you hear oh, me? What did you say? You're breaking up. I said I do believe that uh, Deathly Hallows Part 2 uh, was me? a 12A. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Can you hear me, love? Hello, I can hear. Can you? Can people clap if they can hear me? If people can hear me, give a round of applause. If you can't Hello? hear me, obviously don't clap because you can't hear me. You're breaking I am up. Here. Am I? I think it's you. It's you. People can hear. It's you, love. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. Few technical difficulties. We usually have them on a Sunday on on uh, on stereo. Oh, that's, that's better. It's you, love. It's not. People. Are, yeah, people are clapping that they can hear me, but they can't hear you. Oh, I don't know what's going on. I'm back now. You're back now. I think it's yeah, my it's Wi-Fi, but connected. if I put it if I put it on 4G, it, it won't work at all. So Yeah. Stick as you are, just don't move. Stay right there. <laughs> <laughs> don't move. Don't move a muscle. So um yeah, the thing I really enjoyed, especially about uh part one was like like I said to you, the little character moments that mm-hmm. sort of spring up between uh all the characters, you know, Ron. You know, it's almost a, a switch around, isn't it? Where Hermione was always the sort of jealous one. And then it sort of yeah. flipped to Ron being the jealous one, which I thought was quite good. Show yeah. that they both cared about each other. Yeah, I quite like the fact that we kind of get to get a little bit of a glimpse into Hermione's home. Like, because we never see Hermione's parents. We never see where she comes well, from. We... And Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was really weird. I always seem to think that maybe she just, was lying about her parents. Maybe they just didn't exist. <laughs> but it's also... It, it's very sad as well that, that the one time that we do see it, she's she's erasing their memory. Yeah. I wonder if she ever could it put it back. <laughs> or if she's just like, now, nah, fuck it, I'm going to go off with Ron. <laughs> Forget yeah, my mum and dad. Yeah, fuck her. <laughs> We did. We we, ne- we never did see her put it back, did we? So maybe, maybe it says that in the books. She... I don't know. I'm... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, 
we all know that like the, the film started off i was a little bit confused about the, the opening of uh deathly hallows part one because it almost felt like we'd missed something it almost yeah. felt like there was a chapter that we didn't get to see maybe that is building in the book if there are any fans of the books please do yeah because um, we see the dursleys leaving and they're like it's not safe for us here but i put it on last night and i was like oh we'll put this as part two and i was really confused and i was like i know this is part one i had did that as well so i put part one on and i was like oh hang on a minute and then luckily it was after that sequence that the um that the the Harry Potter logo comes up and it said Deathly yeah. Hallows Part One. I, oh, okay, okay. So I am on the right film because I really yeah, felt is. like I'd missed a huge chunk yeah, of the story. You do, and I've not read the book. So if anyone's listening, do they fill in that little gap? <laughs> yeah, please do let us know because I was very confused. Like, is there a reason why the Dursleys are leaving? Like, what what? started off because for them to leave their house and pack up all their things and leave something mm-hmm. huge must have happened and they didn't say anything to harry like no no like this is your fault harry or anything like that it was just they just up and left it's not like you know they immerse themselves in the wizarding world so they don't know that voldemort's doing what he's doing and as well it's not like it was just yesterday that that they got attacked by a dementor that was 12 months ago that that happened so it's, yeah, it's exactly. a bit strange. That is a bit strange, that sort of jump straight into what I felt like was the middle of the story. And also, like, Voldemort is looking for Harry. Mm-hmm. And we know that Harry has lived at, like, Privet Drive or has stayed there for quite, like, quite a few of the films uh, mm-hmm. up to this point. Surely it's not hard for Voldemort to guess where he is. <laughs> and not... And... <laughs> And then, obviously, when they all take off and they all take on Harry's um, guys and they and they all fly off, like mm-hmm. why were they then attacked? Like, were for me, it felt like that they were on their way. Like the the attackers, like the um, the Death Eaters, were on their way to attack. Yeah, and uh, you know that's when they got the the word. But that it just felt like to me there was a whole prologue to that sort of element of the story missing so please guys if any of you have read the books please do let us know if um you can fill in that gap because mm-hmm. it was really confusing right at the beginning yeah. and obviously and, you know, it's really nice in that beginning sequence as well because we kind of see harry reflecting on the boy that he was you know when he goes under the cupboard in the, in, under the stairs yeah. and he's like looking round. It's well, like they always a... do this, don't they? At the end, end of a franchise, of yeah, you always have like the 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 reminiscing, the going back, the the the, the moody. Like, look how far we've come. You get it in um in Lord of the Rings as well. You know, mm-hmm. like they all talk about like the the beginning of the journey. You know, and they they sort of talk about you know where the journey has taken them. So. Yeah, I think we needed that. And there were, but the thing is, though, this is the thing that I found really weird. Those little nods back to the first movie or the first couple of films just feel like very disconnected because of the style and the cinematography and just yeah. like the, the, diff, the change in tone. So, um, I mean, we, we're, it's okay for us to jump around in from both the movies, isn't it? Like, we can talk yeah. about the second film yeah, yeah. in a moment. So, for example, when Hermione and Ron go to the Chamber of Secrets, 
Like you're like, wow, this is the set from Chamber of Secrets. What a great throwback! But it just feels like it's from a completely different franchise. It feels <laughs> yeah. like Ron and Hermione like have like a million years ago, a whole isn't it? Film. Yeah, it feels like they've stepped into a completely different film. It's like, oh, is mm-hmm. this um, Indiana Jones or something? You know, like it just feels like <laughs> completely, completely different. But I did like those little nods back, and they were really clever. Yeah. You know, when you saw the uh, the skeleton of the basilisk, you know, and it's just little little things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's oh my god, they spent the a whole, they spent a whole film looking for the Chamber of Secrets, and Ron and Hermione found it in five minutes. <laughs> it's like, well, come they know on. where it is now, don't they? <laughs> well, I don't. Yeah, I don't think Ron. No, didn't they get to it in a different way? They went down, didn't they? Yes. So, but did Ron and Hermione go with with Harry? I thought it was just Harry and the teacher, the one that lost his memory. I'm sure it was just them two, or did maybe. Maybe Ron did go down as well. I can't remember. It was like he would have told them anyway, ago. wouldn't he? He would have told it was them. Six said, weeks ago. This is where the chamber yeah. is. Yeah, that's true. Uh, to get a basilisk bang to destroy the uh, Horcrux. Is that am I saying it right? The Horcrux. Horcrux. Yeah. Horcrux. So. I thought the whole Hawcock story was good. I do feel like, in some ways, I know that every single uh, Potter film feels like a self-contained story. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously, sort of, I would say, Order of the Phoenix and the Half-Blood Prince are the two films that feel like they're not self-contained. Because I said to you, didn't I, when we were talking about, I think it was Order of the Phoenix, I felt like there wasn't an individual story there. This is now we're focusing completely on the main plot you know like yeah. the nitty gritty there's no like there's no wizard yeah, tournament the the there's no quidditch is, is where Voldemort starts to get his strength isn't it and that's where you know we start to get the sense of the ending is coming yeah but what I'm saying is that I felt like that they then got to Deathly Hallows part one and even though there were, there were obviously um elements of a continuing story I felt like it was very self-contained as well mm-hmm. you know like we had yeah. basically uh, the hunt for the for the horcrux I can't never say it I'm never going to get it right uh, but we, we had those horcrux hunts yeah so even though it was a continuing story I did feel like it was it was quite self-contained as well telling its own story unlike Half-Blood Prince and Order of the Phoenix, which I felt like were uh, episodes in an ongoing uh, saga, so to speak. What do you think about that? Put that in your pipe and smoke it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I agree. Do you want to talk about the uh, Horcruxes really quickly? Can you remember what they all were? Yeah, so, well, um, I'll try. But I felt like I felt at the end of Half-Blood Prince, I was very confused about this whole Horcrux thing. Very mm-hmm. confused. I didn't quite okay. understand yeah, I can it. Understand. Yeah, I can understand. So, but it's obviously, a little Voldemort... Bit of time to... Yeah, obviously, Voldemort yeah, put his old. soul into the Horcruxes so that he would, he could never die, basically. So the only way to do to kill Voldemort was to destroy the Horcruxes. Now, we already knew that Tom Riddle's diary had been destroyed by um, Harry in the Chamber of Secrets. Marvel O'Gaunt's ring was destroyed by Dumbledore. Um and then obviously yeah. we kind of get a sense with the Slytherin's locket that it, you know, they kind of say like it's not magic that's going to kill these things. Yeah. 
because of that scene that they have in the forest and Harry's getting really angry because all these spells aren't working and it's just... And then Ron comes and saves the day with Gryffindor's sword. Yes. Well, I like that idea. It was almost like a jigsaw puzzle, wasn't it? And the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle were put into these different (laughs) um, objects and uh, once those pieces were destroyed, you know, that was the end of Voldemort and he, like, just dissolved at the end. Um, I, I I was... convinced that i was going to watch the last one and go that it wasn't going to sort of build up and end on well let's not talk about that at the moment um mm-hmm. because we don't want to talk about the end we've only just we've only just started um lots of really nice elements i love the fact that they bring back so many uh, of the past yeah. characters do you remember like one of the um one of the controversial things that i said uh when we were reviewing uh probably like the middle films like goblet of fire um is that they introduce characters in those earlier films and then we just seem to forget about them and they've gone. Like yeah. uh, Miriam Margulies' character as a teacher. Now, I've got a question. I'm conf- I'm a little bit confused. Go you on. know that scene, the beginning of... I think it's the beginning of Deathly Hallows Part 2 where um, Voldemort's sitting around the table with all of his acolytes and they've got a, a woman who's, like, suspended from the ceiling oh, like, yeah. and then he kills her. Who was that? <laughs> Um, one second. Because I am convinced, I I was convinced that it was Emma Thompson's character. You know, like the uh, the teacher with the the goggle like spectacles. But then, at the end of Deathly Hallows Part Two, we saw her in in Hogwarts. So I was really confused about who that that was because she reached out to Snape and said, "Please, Severus, we're friends." Yeah, and I well, was she like, was she was the. She did the Muggle studies, didn't she? Think so. I think that's her first appearance in the films. Oh, what? So it wasn't a character that we know then. No. So, so that's the first. Right. Okay. So this makes sense. Um, so she's mentioned in the books earlier on. However, it's right. in the films. The Deathly Hallows Part One is the first time that we see her. Right. Okay. Well, that's disappointing. I don't think be. Uh, well, no. I say it's disappointing. I just think it would have had more of an emotional impact if they'd used the character that we knew. So that we For knew, example, yeah. like like Emma Thompson's character, because I honestly, honestly believed that it was Emma Thompson's character that died <laughs> because they looked very, very similar. And then yeah. when she popped up at the end of uh, part two, I was like, hang on a minute. I thought she died at the beginning, <laughs> uh, but it obviously wasn't her. Yeah. But then I couldn't think. Of- who it was so, so, so um, in third year Hermione actually takes um Charity Burbage's class but drops it to make her schedule more manageable so she right, is okay. mentioned in the third book but yeah. obviously it's not mentioned in the third film I just think obviously what happened to her was terrible but I just think that if we'd had a character that we actually knew yeah. Like it would have been a lot more like hard hitting, but it was hard hitting for me because I thought it was Emma Thompson, <laughs> so I was really like hit hard by it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, No, I can't believe they killed Emma Thompson, and then she popped up at the end, and I was like, What? Hang on, um, <laughs> but I did like that they got all the old teachers back, you know, they had Miriam Margulies, they had um. Uh, the teacher from Half-Blood Prince, Jim Broadbent's character. I'm just using their real names because I can't remember the names of the teachers. 
and then Emma Thompson's character popped up at the end. And you know, um, you know, there were some really notable deaths. I mean, some of the kids died. You know, they were like uh-huh. that was quite shocking when they killed off, um, you know, the girl that was infatuated with um, Ron in yep. Half Blood Prince. Yeah, killed her off. Uh, we didn't get to see a lot of what happened to like the others. Like, uh, what was um, the girl who fancied Harry in Goblet of Fire, who Cedric's girlfriend? There was oh, always something what, between Harry and name? her, wasn't there? I can never get a name. I can never remember it. It's yeah. I think it Gothic is an Asian girl. name. Yeah, I think it's an Asian uh, name. Lula, Lula. No, no, that's Luna Lovegood, isn't it? No, um, I can't remember. Uh, anyway, she we didn't get to really see much of her in this. Like she sort of like slipped into the background. We saw her in a couple of the crowd scenes. I would have liked those sort of standout characters um, from those Cho earlier Chang. films to have more to do. Who? Cho Chang. Cho Chang. Um, Cho Chang. But apart from that, Cho Chang. but apart from that, yeah, I think that um, you know that's a little niggle. You know, just I, I would have I, we had a lot of characters that came back for the finale, but I would have liked uh, some more characters to have more standout moments. I mean, the people that had the most standout moments, obviously, you've got um, uh, Longbottom. Good old yes. Neville had his standout <laughs> moment. Go on, Neville. <laughs> Go on, Neville. Uh, Luna Lovegood obviously had a lot of um, standout moments because she became quite a big part of the story at the end of uh, part one. That The girl that played Luna Lovegood, she chose her entire wardrobe. She was in complete control of it. Yeah, she's great. She was really good, you know. And she had this, the, yeah. dance, the dancing that they did at the wedding in the part one, she choreographed the whole thing. Oh, really? She was given a lot yeah. of freedom. Like, yeah. she, she must have been a very... I mean, I've seen her in a play and I actually went up against uh, against somebody else to be in a play with her and unfortunately I didn't get it. It was at um, the Waterloo, uh, the Vault Theatre. Um, and I saw her and she is really, really good. Oh, God. Um, thing is, thing is um, obviously I've been calling her the, st- the Hogwarts stoner uh, for the- since she was introduced. <laughs> she just does walk around like she's absolutely off her tits on Magic Mushrooms. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I thought that was good. Uh, Dobby on a llama, no more because oh, he yeah. did. Oh, it's so sad. What's so funny is we were having a conversation last night while I was watching the film, and a text you saying, "Hang on, Dobby's about to die. I'll be back in a sec." <laughs> then I messaged you going, "Yeah, I watched it about two hours ago. I'm over it." <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, obviously, like going into it, I honestly. As a complete novice, someone who hadn't read the books, hadn't watched the films, but was quite aware of Dobby's character, I thought he was a much bigger part in the story. But he literally appears in Chamber of Secrets and then in Deathly Hallows, and that's it. I was really surprised about how uh, lack of Dobby action there was in the entire franchise. I, know, but I think the thing that just makes Dobby so lovable is his... What's the word... Like his thingy to have him, yeah. Like he's just, he's just there when you need him, isn't he? Like because without Dobby, they would have been fucking screwed. 
yeah. I mean, and the same with creature uh, as well. If they, this, if they, if creature hadn't have been at um, Thingy's house, at Sirius's house, yeah, then they would never have found that Horcrux. So again, I yeah, think but this is the thing, Harry Potter. But this is the thing. <laughs> yeah, but for someone, but this is the thing. Like for someone who watches a lot of television and a lot of film. I just felt like I felt really sorry for Dobby's character because I just felt like he was brought in to get them out of a problem. And I think Dobby deserved more than that because he was a really like well-rounded character. And when mm-hmm. he was, you know, when he was released from his service at the end of uh, Chamber of Secrets, I just My felt like there could have been so much more done Dobby with him. But I just felt like they brought him back because, oh, we've got this problem and Harry and Hermione and Ron are going to be stuck in this situation. Uh, what could we need something to, tel- to teleport? Who can teleport? Oh, Dobby! <laughs> and we'll kill him off <laughs> because we don't need him anymore. It's a little bit like um, the sonic screwdriver uh, in Doctor Who. You know, the, I love Doctor Who, but the thing that really pisses me off is that there's a sonic screwdriver that that is basically there to forward the plot, you know, like it opens locked doors because otherwise the character would have to find another way to open a locked door and that's going to take up a hell of a lot of the plot. So therefore they give a sonic screwdriver and the door opens. They don't need to literally do anything about it, you know, and I just felt like that's what what Dobby was. Dobby was Harry Potter's sonic screwdriver. It was just (laughs) a way to get the story from A to B and when it wasn't needed anymore, kill him off. I know, but it's just but it so sad. And when Leon is just like, you should close his eyes, don't you think? And then she closes them, and she's like, no, see, now we could just be sleeping. Like, I just... And you're oh, like, fucking oh, hell, Luna, what have you been... So like, sad. I would have just looked at her and went, what have you been smoking, love? Seriously, <laughs> what have you been smoking? I'm really worried about you. You need to go to... Betty Ford Clinic is has a room devoted to you, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> she's off her tip. She's just um, that made, like she's that nature of person, isn't she? She's very at one with things and feels her feels. Yeah, and I just love Luna. Yeah, no, I do agree. I do agree. Uh, let's talk about um, let's talk about Maggie Smith. So, definitely, Hallows Part One is the only film that she doesn't appear in. Mm. And I felt like that um, when they made the film. Obviously, they they made part one and part two back to back so I felt like that maybe they didn't know that maybe they didn't know that she was going to be yeah if they did intend it to be all one film they're not going to know when it comes to final edit that it's over five hours long oh shit we need to cut this film where do we cut it what's the best place to well, kind of to cut well it I think at? David Yates I think David Yates, the director, sort of did realise that this film was going to go completely over time because he's filming it. You know, he's got all the footage um, when they all piece it together. I know, you know, it's when you film something or when you create something and you've got to edit it down to fit a studio's requirements, it's heartbreaking because it feels like that you've uh, created this big canvas of art. And then the studio comes along and says, right, we need you to, to cut it down to size. And you're like, yeah, but I'm cutting out the best bit. Do you know what I mean? I'm cutting mm-hmm. out the the top of the picture, which is like really great. And there's some bits in the middle that I've got to cut out and lose. So I completely understand like why he 
probably put up a little bit of a fight and said, no, I want to do this in two films, not one. I bet that it was, I bet Warner Brothers were actually probably putting the pressure on him to do it in one. But he was like, no, I I want to do it in two. I don't understand why they would have put the pressure on because it was financially better for them to do two because they got two lots of box offices out of it. That's true. But remember, like, as a studio, they've got this massive franchise, but it's not just about you know, releasing the two pictures and getting the, the finances in it. If you're doing two films, you've got to have the actors like available for two years to go and do the promotions and to go and do the interviews and all that. That's all got to be paid for. The marketing's got to be paid for. You know, it's actually like, a bit, I reckon it was a bit of a pain in the ass for them to af- actually have to split the, t- the film in two. So it's another requirement for the actors, isn't it? Whereas if you did the film in one, the actors go out, they do the publicity, that's it. You know, you don't need Done. to pay them a penny again. Yeah. But Daniel Radcliffe is going on Graham Norton and going on all these shows to promote part two. And mm-hmm. Warner Brothers are like, oh, fucking hell, he's staying in first class hotels. He's, he's I mean, he's <laughs> travel paid for. You know, so yeah. actually, even though they are making up that, up that extra money, um, at the same time, they're, all, they're also losing money because of all the stuff that, you know, that goes around for in making a movie and um, yeah. putting a movie out. So there's two perspectives. But um, I, I reckon that David Yates probably put his foot down and said, no, this film is going to well, be two. I reckon so much good- this is the only film that J.K. Rowling is a producer on, isn't it? This is the Deathly Hallows. Yeah. So I reckon yeah. she put a foot down with it as well. Because, you know, it's her baby at the end of the day. Mm. And she's obviously going to want it to be portrayed in the right way. So I reckon she probably had something to do with it as well, being split into two films. I just want to throw this out quickly. Um, Obviously, this is going to be our last Harry Potter episode. I think we're going to do a Fantastic Beasts, aren't we, at some point? Yeah. Cool. Um, But this is our last Harry Potter episode of I've Never Seen. So uh, I'd like anyone who's listening who is a Harry Potter fan, message in with your favourite harry potter films and tell us what your favorites are um top three top three harry potter films message us in and let us know what your top three are i already have my top three Catherine knows what they are because i messaged her last night uh but nearer to the end of the show we'll talk about our top three shall we yeah i think mine are the same as yours if i remember correctly yeah 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 i think so yeah yeah so obviously We have a big, you know, what what franchises love to do in the final episode is take the familiar and completely and utterly just trash it. So, you know, um, what's the most familiar thing that we have in Harry Potter? Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. So what I really liked about that final sequence was the destruction of Hogwarts. I think it was really well done. Although, mm, plot, plot hole for me was... All of the teachers and all and, and all of the teachers and Julie Walters. That's all I'm going to say from now on. The teachers and Julie <laughs> Walters all raised up their wands to create a barrier around Hogwarts to protect it from Voldemort's advancing forces. And then Voldemort lost his temper, zapped the barrier, and it collapsed. Why didn't they just build another one? Because it would have been pointless. Because he would have just kept doing it yeah they could have done that all night and given harry a lot more time to do what he needed to do right 
Well, we were already because five he, because hours he, in. <laughs> yeah, he did say to McGonagall, he said, what, did you, what do you need from me, Potter? And he said, <laughs> time. I need time. And she's like, you've got it, Harry Potter. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, building another force field, him crashing it down, building another one, would have built, got given Harry a lot more time than just building the one and having it all crash down around them. Um, that was a little bit, I was a bit like, mm, just build another one, McGonagall. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, some of those fight sequences, obviously, we, and also something I've been saying from literally the first film, where is the child protection policy at Hogwarts? Oh, and never more so in the fact that not only, not only are they sending the kids out to fight, but they're sending out the Griff- um, Gryffindor, they're sending out Ravenclaw, they're sending out, um, oh, what one have I missed? Hufflepuff. Slytherin. The, oh, my God, the... just remember, I've not sent you the quiz. Hang on. Sorry, I'll send it you now. Oh, yes. Slytherin, Slytherin are literally all down in the dungeons, like safe as houses. You're like, hang on a minute. That can't be right, can it? That cannot be right. I know. Uh, give me one second. I just wanted it gone. Well, whilst you're doing that, I'm going to play a message from one of our greatest fans. Hey, 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 witches. <laughs> Hi, Catherine. Good to see you. And hey, Keith. My favourite Harry Potters. I think they're like the first ones. Like, I know the first ones ain't the best but I just think it just reminds me of my childhood so much more you know like the first ever one when he's sitting on the train and he's like god blimey you're Harry Potter like I just love it and also the one with the big tree when um that man turns into when the rat turns into a man I like that one and maybe like the one before the last when they're like having a fight you think they die or whatever yeah. <laughs> Kel, you've not narrowed it down at all. They have no, a fight and you think they die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's every funny. other film. Every yeah. other right. film. But I've sent right, you the you've quiz. Sent me a know, quiz. Yeah, I don't know how long it takes to complete. I can't remember. I might have to just that's do right. some I'll... chat, chat and shit. What I'll do if we don't get it done today, I will. Um, if you guys follow us on. Uh, Instagram, and if you're interested about what house I belong to, uh, I will do the quiz and I will post it on my Instagram just a little yeah, bit later. Yeah, I just I can't I remember will, how long uh, it is. Yeah, that's I completely fine. forgot to send it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's been a bit of a mad, it's but, been a bit of a mad day. <laughs> yeah. Um. So obviously we talk about the destruction, that final battle at Hogwarts. Um. Again, I think it's just really kind and really thoughtful of the uh, casting directors and and whoever was involved in sort of getting those characters back. To even though we saw a lot of those teachers that have taken you know place through the whole franchise, even though we saw them very briefly, I think that really made the film for me. Yeah, well, like, it's like that the return we got to of see all these characters. So, uh, Ollivander, obviously, we we see him in the first film. And then we don't see him again. I think it's something like nine years between films. And apparently it's the longest yeah. gap in any franchise or something. Exactly. You know, nine we get years. so Yeah. 
so many characters back and you can just imagine them can't you right this is the last one just write a letter to everyone that's ever been in a harry potter film and see if we can get them back imagine you know all the weasleys are there like yeah imagine the after rap party like because like Daniel Radcliffe yeah. and all them lot would have been old enough to drink and like I bet it was just an absolute mess of a night and I wish I could have been well, it's there. It's ten years of their life, isn't it? It's ten years of their life. I don't think it's about the fact. I don't think it's a, a much of a celebration. I think it's like this is a huge chapter of our lives yeah. that is is over. Mm-hmm. And I think there's probably a lot of fear and trepidation from those, um, especially those the kids. Three actors. Everyone's well, yeah, I think kid because you know that's what they've known for the majority of their lives. Most of them. Yeah, well, like... I think I think it's probably more difficult for the for the the main three. Yeah, because a there's typecasting. You know, like when someone sees you as a certain role, like for example, Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter, it's very difficult to be seen in any other way. So people can yeah. have roles that come up. You know, like there was talk around the time that Deathly Hallows came out of of um, Daniel Radcliffe being in Doctor Who. And you're like, well, that's a very similar sort of franchise, very similar thing. Well, Why would you want to do that, that surely? What was that horror film that he did? Oh, he's done loads. He's done loads. He did a film called... Um, oh, I can't remember what the film's called now. Um, Swiss Army Man, where he played... He was a dead body. He played a dead body, and he, and he's and he, him and, he, him and his friends were in the middle of nowhere. He died, and his friend basically used him uh, to get out like he used him as a raft <laughs> it was so good it was so such it, it's it was sort of a comedy but also a really touching like buddy buddy um comedy but at the same yeah. time I you know you, um, you've got to try and go to the opposite end of the spectrum to what you know now so it's a woman in black is what i'm thinking of you know so do those yeah, kind woman of films in black. Are so different yeah. to harry potter yeah, sure. And obviously, a name that's going to get people in, Woman in Black, uh, not only is it, you know, a popular theatre show, but it's also uh, a show and, and a, uh, a play that is studied on the curriculum at school. So perfect mm-hmm. to do a film with Harry Potter in it or Daniel Radcliffe uh, that's going to appeal to young people of a story that they're going to be studying for their GCSEs. Yeah. Like really really good um yeah, yeah but yeah. I, I he's a lot he does a lot of more indie films now i think he's he makes really wise choices about what he does but don't forget when he was 17 um, um which is around the time that he was still like really deep into the harry potter franchise he appeared on stage in a play called equus naked and now i've seen equus oh, quite a few this. times and equus uh, basically the story of equus is about a boy uh, that sexualizes horses, and he and he goes to see a psychiatrist because um, he uh, gorges out the eyes of a horse and mutilates it. But he, it, as the story progresses, you find out that the, the boy has sexual urges towards equine or equus, mm-hmm. um, and it's really gruesome stuff in that play. And to play that role at seventeen. Um, you know, um, on a, the theatre show that I do with Rosie, uh, we were talking about this, and apparently uh, there were people in the in the theatre that, like, at the moment when Daniel Radcliffe was uh, in the buff, you know, people were 
taking out their phones and trying to get snaps of it, like to to sell them to the newspapers. And apparently uh, one guy did do this. And then upon upon leaving the theatre, someone chased him down and got him to delete the photos. And the person who chased him down was Daniel Radcliffe's dad. My God. So, you know, it's so brave to go and do that at 17 years old. But you can imagine, like, you know, the first for like, especially the tabloids that you've got someone who is this sort of very wholesome character, uh, very much loved by young people uh, mm-hmm. in the Harry Potter franchise, which is quite wholesome in some in most ways, um, you know, appearing naked on stage. So there was a lot of controversy around that. But what a brave thing to do, not only because, you know, being naked on stage at 17, terrifying, but it was mm-hmm. completely against type um, with Harry Potter, and I think it's that he the really end of the spectrum, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Rupert Grint, you know, I think Rupert Grint was probably the person out of the three of them that struggled to get the work the most. Has he, I don't, I've never seen him in anything since Harry. I think he's been in a couple well, of he's, things. He's been in a play called, uh, not a play, he was in um, a TV show called Servant, which has been on in America the last couple of years, uh, playing um, the brother in there. It's a, hor- it's a horror series. And he's doing really well with that. But, um, yeah, I think Emma Watson, I think she probably had the most potential to go on and do well. And obviously she has. She did the Perks of Being a Wallflower, didn't she? I think that was the most notable thing that she did after Harry Potter. Yeah, and I think, well, actually, I, I would say that um, Little Women is probably the, one, of the, one of the most notable oh. things she's done because she was excellent in that with, um, with Saoirse Ronan. Oh, you'd love that film. She was yeah. great in that. And, and obviously Beauty and the Beast, which oh, was... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How can I forget about Beauty and the Beast? Yeah. But so, the, um, in the same way, Emma's gone on to do fantastic things in terms of, you know, women's rights and, and things like that, hasn't she? She's kind of taken, like, course. that things. Yeah. And don't forget also that um, she nearly quit Harry Potter. Like, I say this most yeah. weeks. I know you're probably sick of hearing this... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this uh, conversation but yeah she nearly quit harry potter she um what was it i think it was after order of the phoenix um yeah. she has spoken about the fact that she didn't really want to go on doing the films anymore uh but the reason mm. why she carried on was because she couldn't see anyone else in that role i just so, I still can't imagine what it would have been like if she'd left they probably I, I don't think Warner Brothers would have let her leave. Way. I think they would have kept giving her money until she agreed to stay. Yeah. Just yeah, think how damaging I mean, that would have been to the franchise. Like, Although I am sort of questioning in the back of my mind whether she actually did bring that up to Warner Brothers and then they did up the check. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was a clever, ru- clever ruse. Maybe. Because remember, was it when we were talking about one of, I think it was one of the earlier Harry Potter films, didn't we say that Harry... That, Daniel Radcliffe was only offered a hundred thousand or something to do it. Yeah, he was like, and then complained about yeah. it, and then got millions. Yeah, and I suppose at the Remember time we had that discussion at the time when the films were being filmed. Obviously, there wasn't an equal pay, so um, maybe that's why she was mm. threatening to leave. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Mm. I'm glad that she got to stay for the final film because it would have been weird seeing somebody else that had gone on that that character journey kissing. Ron in the Chamber of Secrets. It would have yeah. been just very strange. Dad to have done that. 
Yeah. Right, let's hit some dips quickly. You have never seen Harry Potter. Yeah. Are you... Are you oh, my God. I might have to leave this, this, this live. Yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> always get one, now. don't we? You've seen I've seen it, every you? single one. To change the title to, I've I seen have it. seen Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, I have seen Harry Potter. Uh, yeah, I've seen everyone now, guys. Don't worry. Don't don't spread the hate. I've seen every single one now. Um, it's been seven seven weeks. We've been doing the show. Yeah, seven weeks. Six seven weeks. Um, and we finally got to the end. Uh, we did which it. Is we made great. it. Great. I feel like I've I've used this lockdown and I've achieved something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Although it really does feel like five minutes ago since we were watching Philosopher's Stone. I know. It feels like five minutes, but it also feels like five years. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Stones. Right, who's next? You've got to watch. There's a video um, that you can get on the Blu-ray or it's on YouTube, I think. Um, I'm sure it is. Uh, of their final day. The final day shooting and when they finally wrap and just seeing that sort of the amount of time and weight on everyone's faces it's sort of bittersweet um yeah oh oh wow i don't think i i don't think i'd want to watch that i think i i think in my own mind i just want to imagine what it was like i don't i think seeing it would be quite upsetting because like you said, it's a mm-hmm. huge part of someone's life. It's 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, 10 plus years of um, of time and care and experience that these young people spent on the film set. And then it was over, bang. And they were f- sort of thrown into the big wide world, isn't it? It was almost yeah, like, like an extended next? school for them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what, what next? Now? What are we going to do? Like, yeah. Shit. This is over. And I'm like... sure it was like that. I'm sure it was like that for a lot of other actors as well on on it, you know. I'm sure that, yeah, you know, but like I Maggie Smith... Other, like, oh. Yeah, but, you know, they were doing other things in between, aren't they? They're, they're established actors. They, they can... These kids, especially... Because they're such, like, important years that those three were doing this for, you know. They're kind of like when you find out who you are as a person and, and they've done that all on the set of Harry Potter. Yeah. And it's very much been their childhood. Like, imagine having kids and explaining to them what your childhood was like growing up on the set of Harry Potter. Yeah. Very, I, I think it's very, very difficult for us to imagine what it must have been mm. like. Yeah. I, I think it, I think, um, I think Christopher is correct. I think it probably was bittersweet at the same, yeah. at, at the same time of them, you know, um, having been part of this huge juggernaut of a movie franchise. But at the same time, going, look, we just need to get this over and done with now so I can move on and do other things. Yeah. You know, I want to know where my life's going to go, my career. You know, I want to take on new roles and not be tied down necessarily to the to the schedule of Harry Potter. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it was bittersweet. I think they were probably 50-50. Really sad yeah. to leave it behind and all their friends and, and everything. But at the same time, just just relieved that, they they got it made and like the parents of them as well like they must have been slightly relieved as well because you think their yeah. their parents missed out on a massive part of their childhoods as well like you know because they were always off filming well, and... 
If I know stage mums and dads, they were there. Well, they were standing right behind the cameras, watching yeah. it, lapping it up, <laughs> picking the kids, taking the kids home, walking past like the the extras, going, "Oh, this is my son. This is my son, Daniel. <laughs> uh, it's Harry Potter. He's, he's Harry Potter. This is Harry Potter, by the way." I can imagine, and I know for a fact. Well, not I don't know for a fact, but from the stories and things that I've read, uh, Daniel Radcliffe's dad was very, very hands-on when it came to his experiences uh, on Harry Potter and beyond, because you know he was just I don't, supportive, yes, but obviously uh, protective as well. Mm-hmm. Because you know, like what we learned last week, you know, Half Blood Prince. Daniel Radcliffe found it very difficult to watch that film because he said he's a his performance is the worst. But the reason mm-hmm. why was because he was drinking a lot at that time, and there were some um, scenes in the film where he could see that he was visually intoxicated. Yeah. So, you know, there's so many different ways and twists and turns that uh, young actors' lives can go down when they've been thrown into stardom so quickly yeah. and absolute. You know, look at people like River Phoenix, for example, you know, beautiful child actor. Like he was just an absolute stunning person and then turned to drugs and and ended up, you know, dying very, very young. So Mm -hmm. there are so many different routes that these guys can take. And I just think that the parents were there to support them and make sure they didn't go down that route of, you know, of it going to their heads, basically. And having so much money to do what you want to do with. I can't imagine having that much money at that age. Like, exactly, it would have had to be really managed, mm-hmm. like, not like Britney Spears managed, but I think managed in like a way that was appropriate. And I think that, you know, a lot of parents would probably say, "Yeah, yeah, what I would do is I would like set up a big savings account, and all the money would go in there." But at the same time, you know, a lot of their time is spent on their kids you know when you have kids that are actors like that a lot of time is spent they might not necessarily be able to work themselves they have to work around their their child schedule so maybe Mm -hmm. part of that money went to the upkeep of of their houses of you know of paying them a wage so to speak as well so they were able to carry on doing that so I don't think that's a negative I know that some people do think that you know a child actor is out there working and then the parents um, take the take some of the um the rewards for that but at the same time you know it's very it must have been very difficult for them to to work and have a life themselves when their child is is the helm of a huge multi million yeah, well, slash billion Daniel Radcliffe's dad just working on the checkouts in Asda can you because whilst his son's off up in Scotland filming this massive franchise film it's just not feasible no and I think that he's his dad probably looked out for him quite a lot. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, I think it's time that we talk about our favourite Harry Potter movies. So if anyone's out there listening, we're now about, about to tell you uh, our top three favourite Potter films. Uh, we would love to hear yours as well. Yeah, that is right. have an opinion on this, uh, which we hope you do. So, um, Catherine... Number three. Uh, Half Blood Prince. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. Snap. Yeah, and then yeah. number two, Goblet. Hang on, of hang, on. Wait, 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 wait. Ah. hang on, hang on. Um, 
the reason why Half Blood Prince. I don't, I just you just get a sense that it's more grown up, I think, and I don't know. I just I just love that scene with Aragog. <laughs> when he's yeah. lying upside down and now he's probably pissed out of his head by like, swaying from side yeah. to side like, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I just love that, it because probably... we, we get to meet the Death Eaters. And I love Bellatrix. She's one of my favourite characters. And, you know, we kind of get to see her. I just, I think it's just a great involvement of the franchise in that film. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that I love it because we, we, we come off the back of two quite big films. And we have Goblet of Fire, which is obviously huge in scale. Mm-hmm. And then we have... Um, Oh, by the way, the girl, the French girl who is um, taking part in the competition in, in Goblet of Fire marries a Weasley, right? Like... Oh, does she? Yeah, isn't the... Um, is part one the wedding? Oh, is that the you know, wedding? Yeah. Sound. I'm sure that is the girl from Goblet of Fire. I can't remember the character's name. You know, the French girl who takes oh, yeah, part in the... Oh, um... yeah, I never, ever realised that before. Yeah, I did. I was like, oh, she's back. I never realised so... that. You taught yeah, me some married a Weasley. Well, I mean, the Weasley seem to be very desirable, don't they? Yeah, the ginge. Ed mm. Sheeran. I blame Ed Sheeran. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the reason why I like Half Blood Prince is because, like I said, off the back of huge films like Goblet of Fire and Order of the Phoenix, it scales it right back down to very personal storytelling and mm-hmm. like little character moments. You know, it's basically yeah. a film all about Harry and Dumbledore. Yeah. And also, we get a little bit of a payoff when it comes to. Um, Oh God! Why is his name Blondie? Why has his name Draco. gone out of my head? Draco. Draco. We get yes, we get a little bit of uh, a payoff when it comes to Draco as well. Obviously, from the first two films, he plays quite a big role as the sort of the class bully, and then he just sort of disappears into the background. I remember saying to you, I think it was during Prisoner of Azkaban, like, what is the point of him being in it? Like, he's just a figure of fun now. You know, he's just like Hermione punches him, and that's pretty much the only point of that scene. Um, but then we get to see that uh, Draco is sort of being manipulated and brought into the the family family business, so to speak. So I love that. Yeah, well, that's why I love. Just to kind of put it into perspective here, so Draco is the sixth highest screen time across all eight films, and he comes sixth. in at thirty one minutes and forty five seconds, and he's sixth. Yeah. So Harry Potter has Obviously. 539 minutes screen time. Ron Weasley yeah. has 211. Hermione's got 205. And then we have a massive drop to Dumbledore, who has 77 minutes. Severus Snape has 43. Draco has 31. Oh, wait. Oh, hang on a minute. Oh, wait. No, these aren't in time order. <laughs> so I'll say that doesn't make That's sense. Because right. Voldemort comes but in it, at no, 37. But... Oh, can you hear me? 
yeah. Obviously, Voldemort has the least because you know he's only in it like pretty much near the end of every film. But oh, yeah, Voldemort's it was got, got thirty-seven minutes. He's more than Draco. Well, Voldemort has more screen time than Draco. Yeah, so Draco Malfoy, 31 minutes and 45 seconds, and Voldemort is 37 minutes and 15 seconds. And the majority of that is in Deathly Hallows Part 2. Mm-hmm. Hagrid's only in it for 45 minutes. What, throughout, across the whole franchise? Yeah. Siri- uh, Sirius Black's only in it for 20 minutes. Yeah. Luna Lovegood's only got 17 minutes and 15 seconds of screen time. It's crazy, isn't it? Where Dobby's character. got eleven minutes and fifteen seconds. <laughs> is that is that including him on Alarma? I don't think yeah. so. <laughs> so let Dobby add. Could you add? Could you add two seconds to that, please? <laughs> Dolores Dobby on Alarma. Sixteen minutes. Like it's really yeah. strange when you look at it like that. Like just how little time. But yet Harry is literally five hundred and thirty-nine minutes. He is the film. Yeah, I mean, it's named after him. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that is the reason why I loved um, Half-Blood Prince. Okay, what is your number two? Goblet of Fire. Mm-hmm. I just, I like the uh, fact that it's so different to all the other films. Like, it's that different element of magic. You know, we can't, we spoke about it when we did Goblet of Fire. Um, but it's yeah. just a completely different kind of magic, isn't it? It's that... A whole yes. other side and getting introduced to other schools that do magic and yeah exactly and I think that um, the reason why I love Goblet of Fire is is uh, the opposite to why I love Half-Blood Prince because it's huge you know the scale of it uh, we've got this sort of Olympic games in the wizardry world going on you know big, big uh, dragons mm-hmm. and fish people and you know, big mazes, and obviously the ending we get to see, um, we get to see uh, uh, Voldemort for the first time in his guise. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just love that. I really, really love that. The, it's the scale of it, of Goblet of Fire. And obviously, it's the first time as well that we get something quite dark in, in Cedric's death. Yeah. It's the you first know, time you it, really get to think, shit, like, this is serious now. Like, Voldemort's not fucking around. Well, no, and also it's the first time that we think, oh shit, not everyone's safe, you know, because the first three films, you know, like they're 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 put into stop to sort of problems, and they all get out pretty much uns- unscathed. So I think it's the first time where we realise that there are actually consequences uh, to these things that are going on. You know, like the Cedric dies. That's a huge consequence, and it sort of you know, haunts Harry for Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. So I would say that that is the reason why it sort of, it makes you feel like at the end, no one is safe. Mm-hmm. Which I really like. Okay. And then I suppose it comes to uh, number one. What is your number one, Catherine? The Deathly Hallows part two. Really excited. <laughs> Duffler Hallows part two, love. Uh, I was yeah. say part one to just be bantery, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say I'm the same. Definitely. Deathly Hallows part two is my favourite Potter movie. Um, by the way, if, if 
people that have just joined us, if you don't know why this show is called I've Never Seen, it's because I haven't honestly seen any of the Harry Potter films uh, you have now. up to this point. I have now. Every week we've been doing this show, we've been watching uh, a Harry Potter movie. Uh, I we've We've now got to the end of The Deathly Hallows Part 2, so I can now 100% say I have seen every Potter film from day one. And, I, and I'm glad. I feel I do honestly feel like I've achieved something. But yeah, definitely Hallows Part Two. What do you love about it, Catherine Law? I just I feel like it just ties up all those loose ends, and like it's just seeing this thing that's gone on for so long. It just finally comes to an end, and it's just I don't know. And like the cinematography in it is just amazing, and like the big fight scene at the end, and. Yeah, I just, I love it. It's such yeah. good. And I can't wait to watch it later on. <laughs> I love Harry Potter um, Deathly Hallows Part 2 in the same way that I love Avengers Endgame. That you have all of these little nuggets and all these little sort of story arcs and characters that have been talked about through a whole... I mean, the only difference is that there's only, what, seven, eight Harry Potter films. There's 22 <laughs> like films that lead up to Endgame. So there's a lot more baggage. But I love the fact that, you know, it really takes its time not to to cheat you. You know, like the, the answers to the questions that everyone's had, um, they take their time to really give you solid answers and conclusions, which is uh, what I felt like they did amazingly with Endgame and what I felt like they did amazingly with, with um, Deathly Hallows. You didn't feel cheated. There wasn't a moment where you thought, well, you know, it was building up and, you know, it ended with a, not with a bang, but with a whimper, you know, it really mm-hmm. did end on a high note. And I think that, um, you know, there was revelations in there. I liked the fact that we went from a very dark film to the part when Harry is supposedly killed by Voldemort to those very bright sequences in, in King's Cross Station yeah. where he's talking to Dumbledore and we see like the skin Dobby thing, like it was disgusting, whatever that was. I know, <laughs> I know that it was the Horcrux, wasn't it? Pretty much dying. But yeah. um yeah, just like little little moments like that really, really um made me think this is great storytelling and they told the story really well and it concluded and uh yeah, um let's just let's just listen to we're getting quite a few ditties through. So let's just listen to these ditties and I just want to talk about uh to finish off our um Harry Potter saga that we've been through i think that we can we can end it like the film ends we can talk about that final sequence at the um at the train station okay hey someone told me about harry potter this is the yoga guy i've been too busy doing yoga but it (laughs) sounds interesting i'm definitely going to check out harry potter yeah this is the yoga guy hi yoga guy um I think that uh, you should, as someone who hadn't watched the films previously before, um, I did really enjoy them. So I would definitely suggest that anyone who hasn't seen Harry Potter, definitely you should go out and give them, give them a try because they are yeah. very, very enjoyable. Um, in my personal opinion, which I know doesn't stand for much, um, I was a big fan of the books. I sort of grew up with them, so I was a perfect age for them. However, 
I did think the first two films were utter garbage. Um, really, really shit films. The third one, I thought it started getting good then. And then it sort of stayed pretty good from that moment on. But I never thought um, Harry Potter films got to the level of like films like Lord of the Rings and stuff based on books. Um, it just... Um, I didn't think the acting was as well done. However... Um, in particular those first two films and I get that the actors and actresses were young I just thought they were they were terrible um, sorry if that's uh, that goes against the grain but that's my opinion I'm afraid how are you guys doing anyway guys and gals hi, hi. we're doing good thank you um, yeah, I no, would you say it yeah, yeah. They are children, and like I have this question, but because most people that you speak to and you ask them their favorite Harry Potter film, they say The Prisoner of Azkaban, and I mm-hmm. don't understand why. I don't get it either. But I think maybe it could be because it's the first film that isn't like a children's film. Yeah, I would go probably if I was to go even further down the list, I'd say probably. I, I would say Prison of Azkaban is probably fifth in in the list. I would probably say that um, Order of the Phoenix can't, is fourth, so that it comes mm. after uh, Half Blood Prince. Then after that would probably be Prison of Azkaban. But we spoke about this. The reason why I was really disappointed with Prison of Azkaban because I just felt like the story wasn't evolved enough. I felt like Alfonso Cuarón, who is one of my favourite. Uh, directors and I was really looking forward to seeing his work on Harry Potter it just left me a little bit sort of unsatisfied so I don't understand it either why everyone loves mm. Prison of Azkaban so much. If anyone's listening I, and it is your favourite film can you please tell us why yeah, yeah why why do you like it I don't understand it but mm. um uh, what was I going to say okay yes um, okay well we've said our three best What's our? What's the worst? What? What? What do you think is not not the worst? But what one do you think you enjoyed the least? I think for me, um, it is. Should we say it at the same time? Ready? Three. Oh, it's between two. Two. One. Chamber of Secrets. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Definitely have okay. part one. Okay. What you don't you don't like? Definitely have part one. As I, much, just, like you like. Uh, I just feel like it's very slow and I understand why it is like I just, I just it's just my least favourite out of all of them hmm. you see I see Deathly Hallows part one as um, a gearing up like a sort of a run up to yeah. the big I think that's why like, I, I don't like to watch like I couldn't just watch the Deathly Hallows part one and be satisfied have to watch them together to feel like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. watched something oh yeah definitely it's a, it's a filler I've... of a film and i understand why it, it is mm. but i just i feel like nothing that exciting happens and like of course dobby dies and that's very sad and tragic and well the, you know daniel radcliffe just stripped down to he's pretty much his undies to jump in and try and rest, get a sword <laughs> you know there's a lot of topless harry and ron in this film <laughs> Bless them. Oh. Like, you know, they must have been... I mean, obviously they were a little bit older at this point, but it must have been so awkward, you know? like Because you know yeah, they were only cool. doing that because all the teenage girls were like, oh, my God, that's so Harry Potter. That's yeah. so Harry Potter. 
abs. Um, but yeah, really strange. Very strange. But I would say, for me, it's definitely, definitely Chamber of Secrets. And the reason why I don't like Chamber of Secrets is because they take, um, like, like we learned when we did the review of it, it's the shortest, one of the shortest books, well, the shortest book, but the longest film. And it just doesn't make sense. There's not enough material there to make it. I felt a lot of it dragging. I felt it, a lot of it was unnecessary and it bored me, basically. So mm-hmm. Chamber of Secrets for me is the worst one. Yeah. 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 Okay. Let's let's hear what this young lady's got to say. What's the one where they um, (laughs) they play chess? Because I like that. You know what? I just like all of them, but I really (laughs) like the ones when they're young, because I feel like they were a lot funnier. Do you know what I mean? Like Ron, I just feel like he was a lot funnier. I feel like Hermione. Hermione was a lot less. Like sassier, but in like a funny, witty way. As she got older, she sort of turned into like, you know, like as she was becoming a woman, like she was still like, you know, a bit moody with Ron and that. But it was more like, I don't know. I I guess I just relate them to children's films because I watched them as I was growing up. so to me, they're like childhood films, and they're the ones that thought, sort of come out when I was a child. So that's why I like them ones the best. And then as I got older, yeah, yeah, I can understand that. Mm. And it's the the Philosopher's Stone. It's the first yeah. one where they first do the big chess game. Yeah, yes. I can understand that. You know, when you're young, I suppose that like people like Kel though like that really stuck with the films and really went and watched them, you know, religiously would then go and watch them, but they would, they would grow up with the films, you know, we've spoken about this before, you know, people growing up with them. So by, by the time, you know, someone who's roughly about 11, when the first film comes up, by the time they get to um, the Deathly Hallows part two, they're 21, mm. you know, so they, the films really do grow up with its audience. Yeah. It depends whether you stick with them or not. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah. Daniel Radcliffe, after Harry Potter, went on stage and did a stage production about a man who falls in love with a donkey and had to appear naked on stage. (laughs) So he's done far more than that, my friend. No, that's not true. Uh, the, The play is called Equus, and he doesn't fall in love with a horse. He has a sex... I mean, I've been up to uh, to do Equus quite a few times in my career, but I've never got the part. I'm too old. I'm too old now. But um, he doesn't fall in love with a horse. He finds horses sexually attractive. There's a difference. <laughs> and he does end up actually gorging the eyes out of a horse, which is what the, the play is about. Yeah. So he doesn't fall in love with a horse. Like, they don't use a real life life horse, do they? Like. No, uh, because. You don't actually see it. That the, the play takes place oh. with, um, in a basically during his therapy. That's where it takes place. Oh. So, uh, but <laughs> okay, okay, uh, okay then. Okay, so let's um, now talk about that final sequence. Mm-hmm. So the final sequence of the film is it skips nineteen years later, and we go back to King's Cross Station, and obviously we get to see Harry Potter's kids. 
Uh, he's now married to uh, Ginny. Yeah. Uh, Ron and Hermione are married. They've got kids. We also see, do we see, we see Draco as well, who is like on the platform, you know, with a kid as well. Obviously the, the, um, the actions, you know, like what happened to him after didn't really affect him very much. Like the, the Draco family. I mean, they walk away, don't they? But mm-hmm. they walk away from it. There's a moment where you see them like walking off, like before the big battle went, like starts. They they are walking off, so they're obviously protecting themselves. But yeah, obviously no repercussions for Draco as he's standing on the platform with his wife, seeing off his child as well. And I just felt like it was, it was nice, you know. Like I can see why a lot of people sort of laughed at that moment. Were a bit che- like a bit weird, weirded out by it because you've got these characters. They've obviously aged them up a little bit, which obviously they have to. Um, and then you have a really nice discussion with um, between Harry and his son about his son's scared that he's going to be in Slytherin. And Harry's like, well, you know, the sorting hat does take into consideration, you know, what you want. So just think about Gryffindor exactly like he did. Yeah. You know, so I feel like it was a little bit of uh, history repeating. And I felt that that's, that that's what they were going for with this sequence. It was almost like, okay, this chapter of the story is over, but there's a whole new different chapter about to start. And I like it when franchises do that. You know, it's almost like, okay, we've told the story of the father. And now uh, if we want to, or if there's a possibility, we could go on and tell the story of the son, which they have done um, in The Cursed Child, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, which now makes a lot more sense to me. Um, so, <laughs> Obviously, I've not seen the cursed child. Yeah, it's yeah it's the story. Of the, list. Yeah, I think if the cursed child was actually formally part of the Harry Potter franchise, as in a film, uh, I think that the cursed child would probably be like lower down in your favourites because the storyline is not really that great. Mm-hmm. But what really makes the cursed child is the. Um, the staging and the trickery that they use to uh, to tell the story. So, um, like thinking back now, looking back, the story of the cursed child is not necessarily a story that needed to be told, but the yeah. way it's told is really good. It's really interesting. Well, I think but what's yeah. really nice as well is on the actual date, so September first, two thousand and seventeen, at King's Cross Station, loads of fans gathered to celebrate. Because that was the day that, that was 19 years later. Really? But the film didn't yeah. come out until... No. So, obviously, Harry Potter's set like in previous years, isn't it? It's not up-to-date, modern. At oh, time. okay. Because it took two years for the films to come out. So it was 10 years. It was over like 10, 11 years. that from Because the first film came out in 2011... That's already 2001, and the last film came out in 2011. Yeah, so, but from the date that Harry, Harry's somewhere, Albus gets onto that, gets onto the train to Hogwarts, was the 1st of September 2017. That's when it was written as in the books. So, on oh, that okay. actual date in real time, loads of fans gathered at King's Cross Station to celebrate Harry Potter. <laughs> I love it when I love don't get me wrong I love fandom and I was about to say something really inappropriate (laughs) (laughs) it's in the Guinness Book of World Records for the largest group of virgins in one place at one time (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but um, yeah, I mean that's amazing. I love it when uh, when fans that do things like that, like little nods to different dates and things, which is uh, really cool. Um, yeah, well, it just shows you how much they love it. Named herself. She tweeted. She tweeted on the at ten to eight in the morning. On September the 1st, 2017, she sent a tweet saying, Today's the day, Aldous Severus Potter boards the Hogwarts Express at King's Cross Station for the first time, hashtag 19 years later. Wow. Hmm. I'm trying to work that out. I'm, trying to, I'm just trying to work that out in my head, but okay. Because 98, <laughs> the, the Battle of Hogwarts happened in 1998. Oh, okay, right back. Oh, is this why we don't have cell phones and things like that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> okay. Okay, it explains. Okay, yeah, okay. So, interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. There you go. Guys, if you were there, were you there? Did you go down to the King's Cross station on that day and uh, do your thing or whatever you did? I don't know what Harry don't Potter fans like do. Harry Potter gift shop at King Cro- King's Cross station. Probably there are Harry Potter gift shops scattered all over London. There's one in um, between Leicester Square and, and Shaftesbury Avenue as well. There's a Harry Potter shop there as well. And obviously in Hamleys as well, there's a huge Harry Potter yes. section. Because I would say that Harry Potter now has become one of those things that is, um, you know, just completely and utterly a tourist trap, so to speak. Although mm-hmm. I've never felt the need really to go to, to the Harry Potter studios, obviously having never seen one of the films, but now I have seen them all. Where um, are we going? <clears throat> Where are we going? <laughs> we will go, definitely. Yes. Once we all, once we all get back, back uh, settled into real life, uh, me and you, I promise, we'll go to Harry yes. Potter Studios. Well, How does that sound? We were, me and I were meant to go in last year, but then it closed because COVID. Oh. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So, that, yeah, yeah it would be really, really interesting. I can't wait. Yeah, I want to go and see. Oh, there's Aragogs there, and like, did you know you can have Christmas dinner there in the in the Great Hall? Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, that's cool. At Christmas time. Apparently, there's butter beer you can drink and all that sort of thing. Yeah, amazing. It's a deal. It's a deal. Yes. Well, well, I have to say thank you so much, Catherine. Like when I suggested about doing this, I was a little bit like, okay, okay. This is going to be um, this is going to be a long task. This is going to be something that I'm going to dread weekly. But I, <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie to you; I've absolutely loved it. Yay! And, and would you uh, say that you're a Harry Potter fan? I would say that I would not be. Um, I would. I would never. I would not say no to owning a Gryffindor scarf. <laughs> Do you like think? That that you'll revisit the films uh i probably won't revisit the films for a while i think i probably Mm -hmm. would revisit the films um i'd probably like to introduce my nephew to them when he's a little bit older he's only five at the moment so when he's a bit older i'd like to introduce him to the films but what i would be really interested in doing is uh when when the world gets back into the swing of things i'm going to spend a lot of my time traveling i.e on the tube um with my kindle I, I would actually quite like to delve in and read the books, to be read honest. books, yeah. Mm, I think that's probably the next... My next Harry Potter experience will probably be uh, the books. Well, maybe we need to do, like, a chapter... I was going to say a chapter a week, but we'd be in until 
2050. Yeah, me and you will be dead by the time we get to <laughs> friggin' chapter one of Goblet of Fire. We'll be R.I.P. Keith and Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, absolutely. I, I, and we will schedule. Um, I, I'm a little bit busy uh, next Sunday doing some bits and bobs with my sister. But uh, the week after that, shall we schedule in? Uh, maybe we could do Fantastic Beasts 1 and 2 together. Mm-hmm. When's the third How does that one? sound? When's the third one out? Huh? When's the third one out? Oh, I don't know. I think that's been had a, a, a thingy put to it, hasn't it? Because of COVID, I don't think they've been able to film anything. But um, yeah, oh, guys. Do... Oh, yeah. I thought it was out. It's out next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you follow me and Catherine here on Stereo and on Instagram also, uh, you will be notified when we go live. So you'll be able to see on our Instagrams as well when we'll be doing our Harry Potter. um, Well, I mean, I don't know much about Fantastic Beasts. I'm going to be honest with you. And I I know it's a prequel. And I know Mm -hmm. that Jude Law plays Dumbledore. So See, it'd be that, interesting I'm... to me because we all know that I've got a really bad memory and I've only ever watched it a couple of times. So I, I kind of remember what happens, but I also okay. don't. Yeah. Well, it's going to be really interesting because it, it feels like me and you are going to be <laughs> experiencing these films like anew from the beginning. Yeah. So I'm really It'll be a we've never seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've never seen Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> I think I've watched the first one two times and the second one once. Say that again, so, sorry. I think, I, I think I've watched the first one two times and the second one once. So yeah. I, I really can't remember like the ins and outs of what happens. Mm-hmm. And but then I, I, I don't want Catherine to, to have to go through anything torturous because I know that everything that I probably really, really love Catherine is going to absolutely hate. So what what I'll do is I'll do a deal with you. Even though we've done eight weeks of Harry Potter, which I I have actually enjoyed, I will choose a film, one film um, for you to endure for I've never seen. How does that sound? Okay. Yeah. Although I did give you a whole list of sequels that I've never watched. I know, but then I want to find something that is really out of your comfort zone. Okay. Cool. Okay. That's well, thank you very much. That was no. it. That was no, Harry Potter. Done. We're done. Can't believe it. Seven weeks. I'm gonna right send there. you. Se- I'm gonna send you seven. I'm gonna send you seven books now. That's gonna be your birthday. Yeah. <laughs> oh, darling, I don't do paper back. <laughs> if it's not electronic, I'm not interested. And I already have them on the Kindle, so we're we're good. We're I'll good for Harry Potter literature. <laughs> no, it's fine. Just get me a Gryffindor scarf, and I'll be happy. Okay. No, no, no. I think. No, no, no. Let me do the test first. Yeah, I, think I, yeah, I think so I might whatever, be Hufflepuff. Yeah, I think I might be Hufflepuff. How you come back as? I'll get you a scarf in that house. <laughs> that sounds perfect. Yeah, that sounds brilliant. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Catherine. I've really, really no. enjoyed it. I actually feel a little bit emotional coming to the end because you know it's been just a fantastic discussing um, these epic stories with you, and uh, yeah, and I definitely have found. Uh, a newfound love for the Harry Potter franchise. Yeah, it's a good franchise. It's just a shame that it was created by her. The one we do not speak of. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But like I've said before, and I think this is a really good way to end this, you know, you can be a horror... You can be a Harry Potter fan without being a fan of J.K. Rowling. 
Exactly. I mean, how many Harry Potter fans have actually read like any of her books since? I think it's a very I didn't small... even know she had wrote books since, so you know, <laughs> exactly. Says it all. Very, very small majority. So people aren't J.K. Rowling fans; they are fans of Harry Potter. And I do think the two are exclusive. So, yeah, uh, yeah that's what I've got to say about that. Yeah, right. Well, excellent. It's been emotional. We got there. In it's the been emotional. We will be back in a couple of weeks' time, guys. We're going to do uh, the Fantastic Beasts movies, and then I'm going to choose a one-off film to subject uh, Catherine Twenty Twenty to um, and, put, and make her a squirm. Okay, thank oh. you very much. <laughs> All right, then, Thanks, love. Catherine. Bye. I shall speak to you very soon. Cheerio, little pip. Au revoir. Lingardium Leviosa. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Films I Love Most podcast live. Don't forget, you can get involved on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to send us an email with any suggestions or recommendations, you can send those to filmilovemostpodcast at yahoo.com. Thank you very much and I hope that you join us next time here at the Films I Love Most podcast. (laughs) 